0: Welcome to episode, I didn't even write it down, 154, see this is, this is the problem right here Matt, 154 <laughs> of the Galen Trombley Show. Um, my guest today is Matthew Snell um, and Matthew, uh, kind of I guess a little background, I'll have you do more of it, is um, a triathlete, is probably the, the one thing that I really want to ask you about, you're obviously an inspiring photographer. Yes, and a few other a few other ventures that we'll, we'll get into. So, Matt, welcome to the uh, the podcast. Thanks for having me. And uh, for people that don't know you, because I just gave you a quick like ten second recap, give us like a little better version of who you are.
1: So, I am a um, aspiring photographer. Also, I'm a triathlete, and I am right now in the middle of changing professions. I've um, the past couple of years, I've been Working for uh, the law law offices of John T. Snell, Uh, my father Brian Snell, as a legal intern. While I've been going to uh, Norwich University, and just uh, in the past couple of weeks, I've been offered a job with uh, NASCAR. Um, So I will be relocating at the end of the month to Charlotte, North Carolina. And this is
0: the actual NASCAR.
1: Actual NASCAR.
0: Um, I want to so. I want to talk about that before. First question, John, is, John T. Snow is your grandfather. Yes. question I've never actually asked your dad is he just always left it as John T. Snow.
1: He's just left it. Yeah, he's I mean, just never, it's never been it's Snow never, Law, he's never no. Been,
0: no. So it, it's been John T. Snow Law, which is fine. I just yeah. like, I don't think I've ever asked your dad that, but um, no, so great family. Um, and so,
1: okay, so let's go back to the beginning. So you grew up where? In Plattsburgh. Okay. And you went to what school? Seton Academy, Catholic, the Seton schools, whatever they're calling themselves. Yeah, yeah. What are the hybrid things now? Yes.
0: And then you went to Norwich. Um, So what drove you to go to Norwich?
1: Uh, So I went to Norwich because it is the oldest private military college in the United Mm. States, founded in 1819. And being from a military background, my father uh, serving for 20 years, a West Point graduate, I've always had that uh, military bra- background. Uh, me personally, um, I've wanted to explore this uh, private sector, so I didn't uh, go into the military side of things because Norwich is um, has the split up of the Pentagon, which is uh, forty civilian, sixty military. And, uh, so they try to keep that same thing with their civilian population and their military population. I've just loved the way they do things. Um, I fell in love with it from my first visit when I went in, I think my freshman year, it was actually my number one college to go to and the only college I applied to. Um, so I got in and I, that was as far as I looked. So,
0: um, and you went in for accounting and business management? Yes. Did you always want to do one of those two things or was that kind of like
1: So, I've always wanted to do have a business background and my junior or senior year of high school, I ended up taking um accounting by um from just off of it was a class to fill And so I did it, and um, my teacher, uh, Christine Boulay, made me fall in love with accounting. And so I've always loved numbers, and that's where I um, uh, wanted to go. And when I went to Norwich, I'm like, well, I'm just going to do the business background. And then I did some research into it, and I only needed an extra couple of classes to add an accounting double major. So I ended up doing that, and I loved. I still love it. So,
0: okay. So Norwich is where in Vermont is it? Norwich, Vermont.
1: That- no, it's Northfield, Vermont. It's Northfield. Okay. Um, is there a Norwich, Vermont? There is, and at some point during Norwich's history, they were in Norwich, Vermont. Okay. The schools moved several times. It's even been in Connecticut at one point.
0: Oh wow! So. Now, are you required to have any active military duty if you go to Norwich?
1: Uh, No. Uh, Only if you are a part of the ROTC program. You have, because uh, the government is paying for your college Mm -hmm. or a portion of it, you have to give back a certain amount of time. Now, how's campus
0: look? Because, I mean, I've been to West Point before. West Point is a really cool place, but all the cadets are dressed in, like, you know, kind of the dress garb or whatever they're wearing. Norwich the same, or can you just go like that?
1: Um. I can go personally, I can go in sweatshirt and, um, shorts or whatever. Uh, the, uh, military, um, is in their, uh, dress, you uni- know, they're either in their dress uniforms or, um, ACUs. I know this school year, the uniforms have changed for the military a little bit. I'm not really sure how, I know they've changed a couple of things. Um, uh, and during class they ask the civilian students just to be business casual but it's nothing really strict for the civilian students
0: yeah because i've always like norwich always hear like cadets and stuff and you always think like my mind instantly goes to west point uh i'm assuming you've been to west point
1: yes several times
0: yeah and and west point i i've probably been to west point maybe five times ever just my my cousin went um so i went to his Whatever the first day, our day, a day, whatever their day was when they first kind of get they get through the initial boot camp as a freshman, and then it went to his graduation, which is cool and then he got married there a couple of days later, which is cool. So um, but every time I go there, it's again, all the cadets are very very formal. Um, obviously you know, even just walking around, they have like the blue and the white and then I and mean, that's not counting, obviously the, their dressier get up or whatever their uniforms are. Um, so I always thought Norwich was like West Point, but it's
1: not. Similar, it, I mean, it's very but. similar, and the cadets are dressed very similar to those of the West Point cadets. And actually, uh, Norwich was founded by a West Point graduate, um, Alan Partridge, and so he, uh, his vision was uh, Norwich to be similar but not totally the same, from my understanding, and to be that for. Uh, the reserve uh, more for um, reserves. How, how's the campus compared to West Point? Similar style with like similar the old, style, the old stone um, and all that. Yes, um, most that most of the buildings um, go back at least until the 1800s. Uh, the I think some of the civilian there, they built two civilian dorms. Are the newest buildings on campus and they those were just built in the 2000s but all the other dorms um all the barracks are at least eight, from the 1800s um that still stand um and our campus building like activities building i think was built in the mid 1900 1960s 1970s but it, it's constantly during my time uh, my four years there was a huge renov- uh, renovation because they were um, coming into their 200th anniversary. So they had a huge project. And actually, I was wrong. The uh, civilian dorms weren't the last ones to be built. Actually, our business building was built um, for the 200th uh, anniversary in 2019. So you got to experience the new building? Yes. And it was like it's state of the art, it's beautiful. Have you ever been to the one at Plattsburgh, uh,
0: Sable? No. So when I went to school, the only reason I say it was I was in business at Plattsburgh State. And when I was going to school, my senior year, they took, that was a parking lot. They started building that building my senior year. So I, I've never stepped foot in that. But like we always went to like the old the old buildings, which are at the po- at that time we were kind of starting to get uh, dated. Uh, and then um, so now I'm always wondering, like you got to experience kind of a, like I said, Save the Art Building and then the one at Plattsburgh I'm assuming is nicer than what they had before. So it would be kind of cool to walk through it, but I never have. But I just remember that was my parking lot for for an off-campus student.
1: And that was this um, off, because they also have off-campus students too. We call them commuter students. And that was where they built Mack Hall, which was this state-of-the-art building, was a parking lot. And it was the commuter student's parking lot. They got to slum it on the side
0: roads and try to, like, dodge traffic.
1: They put in more parking, thankfully.
0: Blossberg was like... Hey, you can go down to Sibley and park down there. I'm like, it's like two miles away. Like, it, all my classes were at like Hawkins and like you're parking at basically PHS.
1: Yeah. So I'm lucky from like end to end, our campus is less than a mile.
0: Um, how many people are at, or how many, how many students, cadets, or whatever? I want
1: to say there's five or 6,000 of us.
0: I, I could be, don't quote me yeah, on that. I could be totally wrong. Of them, but I, I think that's what it is. Um, So what got you what got you into triathlons
1: my dad that was Uh, it really yeah um so i'm i ran cross country uh all through high school and it's um something i was not really great at during high school but i was like i got pretty good well decent um my senior year and i'm like well I'm going to try to be recruited for Norwich. Well, uh, that really didn't happen. Um, I talked to the coach, and he's like, your times aren't great for recruiting, but if you work hard all summer, uh, we have tryouts, and you can try to walk onto the team. Well, I worked hard all that summer, and I walked onto the team. Unfortunately, um, in my sophomore year, I had a... uh, injury and stress fractured my pelvis so i couldn't run but i couldn't stop moving so i started to learn how to swim kind of something i wanted to do um because my dad was getting into was getting into triathlon at the time so i started to learn how to swim and then i um once i could start running again i um after six months I started running and biking and then I've met, um, we have a small, very small triathlon community around here, but I met some really good friends who helped me and I started doing that summer of 2019, I think it was, um, I started doing the Lake Placid mini tries and that got me hooked and i did actually two years ago today i did my first 70.3 in uh lake george that popped up in my facebook memories a little while ago um i did it the 70.3 in lake george was on a sunday i ran a 5k on the saturday and i after i finished my 70.3 i was like this is what i want to do and here we are. I'm no longer running cross country, and I'm doing seventy-point-three triathlons. So, so back back it
0: up. For how did your dad get involved? Do you know that what caused him to get involved? One of if, our f-
1: one of our friends nagged him into doing it and said he had to at least try it, and he did. And you kind of get addicted he, to it. Yeah. Then they just let him down the
0: dark path of no, he's now he's in it. Yeah. Um. So, okay. So. You go from, did you know how to swim prior? Uh, I mean, you could. You yes could, like, and no. Like if uh, you had to
1: swim from like point A to point B, you could. But you I probably, like I no, yeah, I couldn't, I wasn't fast. Um, I, when the college was doing those swim lessons in the, I don't know where the building, where the pool was here. A memorial. Yeah. Yep. Um. I When I was little, I did the swim lessons there. So I guess I could swim. And then I guess I kind of self-taught myself how to swim when like that like competitively yeah like to get for open water swimming uh yeah so i was in the pool so i got injured in september and i probably started swimming after that cross-country season ended because i was still like going to meets and like just being supportive as a teammate because that was all i could do i wasn't racing and it was it took from September to november for us to figure out that i had a stress fracture so um i was still kind of running um and that winter i started swimming and so i was in the pool in uh Stowe, vermont i was traveling probably a half hour uh to this gym and i was swimming and i kind of just took a, um advice from my dad on how to go about it and slow and steady i uh ramped up my uh how far I was going, and slowly kept working on it and got faster. I did my first open water swim in Mirror Lake, I think, that uh, following spring, and the rest is history, I guess. What what uh?
0: So when you got into swim, that was just more of like a I say like PT, but that was like. Exercise to
1: supplement what exactly. so you're wasn't the train at the time. No, it was okay. basically because I needed to do something I needed to work out some way. Yeah, like low impact low swimming. impact yep. It was the only thing that I could do at the time now. Were you biking? Could you bike? Did I have you biked? I had biked while I was injured while I was being injured because we didn't know what it was So they just like that's again low impact but once we finally got the mri results in november and that's what uh i had a stress fracture in my pelvis it was like you can walk very limitedly like to class and that's it um try to keep low impact everything so i just started swimming and at that point it's winter so you can't really ride your bike so i just swam and did
0: that and so, so the bike is something you just ended up, once you decided you wanted to do triathlons, which is something you had to, obviously, is one of the implements. So you just threw that in there and just said, well, I guess I got to kind of learn, not just to ride a bike, but like the, the, the actual yeah. racing or the stamina of riding a bike. Exactly. Um, what's the easiest of the three for you?
1: Uh, So it used to be running. Okay. Uh, Now, uh, during COVID, all I did was uh, ride my bike all f- from like... March through like March of this year when I when my dad's like yeah you need to start actually training again because we're going to have races this year. So for a year um all I did was ride my bike and so now it is probably my strongest discipline and that the um the discipline that I love to do the most.
0: And what's the easiest or the hardest one for you?
1: Uh Probably running now, Um, and I think that also has to do with uh, the mental portion of it because I used to be a fast runner, and I know where I used to be, and it's the most I have to. It's the sport that I have to work at the most.
0: Um, So, I've asked this question to some people before. They said typically, if you had to pick the three implements, and kind of want to hear your opinion on this, they said the bike was the hardest purely for the fact that it was the longest cuz you're sitting on a bike for if you're, now I'm saying like if you did a full
1: marathon you're probably on the bike for 5 or 6 hours that sounds about right if you do a full you're on the full uh you're probably on the bike for at least 6 hours okay probably. so that,
0: they they had said just purely because of the time it was the hardest um now in theory again I'm going by if that's I've never done a triathlon but if that was the longest and the swim obviously is, I would say the shortest timed discipline. Would that make it the easiest because you're in the least amount of time? Or do you find like not swimming I'd rather run a marathon or a half marathon than, or whatever, you know, obviously you're doing the hat mostly halves, but like I would rather do the distance of a marathon run or distance of a triathlon run or, or bike versus a swim, even though swims like technically
1: the shortest. See, some people find the swim to be the hardest me. I've, gotten very used to swimming and i've had, been around people who are good swimmers so i'm very comfortable in the comfortable in the water and being able to uh swim so i actually find that the second hardest um and uh bike i find the easiest because i've done it so much and i've racked up miles and miles on the bike in the last year So I find it the easiest in like, um, in January I was doing, I was in Florida training and was doing back to back. I did three back to back 120 mile days on the bike. Um, so I've gotten very, I've, the bike doesn't like, yes, you have to work at it and you will always have like struggle mentally with depending on race conditions and everything. But I find that to be the easiest for me, coming off the bike and starting the run, I have to mentally get myself in a position where I can, I know I can get through this. I just not totally, it it's hard, kind of hard to explain. It's all, it's...
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you had like a hip injury or you have some reason where you're like, maybe this is not my strongest thing, it's like, you're not really in coast mode. You're like, hey, I got to work at this. I got to put a little exactly. more effort in. And how um, how is how is well, first off, before I ask that... How is it sitting on a bike for that long? You get used to it. Okay. So, but it is uncomfortable when you start. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you, I'm assuming you have special like pants and shorts and yes. stuff and padding and everything else. Okay. Cause I've always like, man, I've read, like rode a bike and I want to get off in like five minutes. Um, so how is the transition from swimming into biking into running? Like the mental shift or whatever you have, to, like that, just everything. Um,
1: is it a relief? Is it a dread? Is it like so? You coming out of the water? It's okay. Now we have a two and a half, three hour bike, depending on on um, the course. So it's like okay. Um, coming out of the water, I need to focus on nutrition, um, making sure I'm eating a um, some sort of like gel or chew that will give you the sugar to kind of get you out on the bike. Uh, then I focus. I have. To, you come, you come out of the water, and usually there's a quarter to half a mile um, run that uh, you're running um, to get your bike, and I have to fo- remember to make sure I'm getting everything. Um, it's just the checklist going through my head of what I need to do to get on the bike, um, and then I get out on the bike for 56 miles. Um, coming back in, it's a different story you're starting to get tired, you know you have a half marathon left to go. And really, the race doesn't start until the back half of the run, Um, because that's when people start to deteriorate. So you need to make sure, again, I have a checklist that I go through my head. Have I eaten? Have I taken in enough nutrition? How am I doing? Making sure I get everything um, on, like um, putting on a hat, getting sunglasses, stuff like that that you have in transition making sure you have everything because i've gone out i did a race in florida in january 2020 and i ran out of transition without um hat and sunglasses and turned right back around to make sure i had to get those um because it's uh i wasn't used to the heat so you want
0: um so what's a checklist coming out of the water like going into a bike like what's what's on your checklist of this has to be done
1: so um first thing is making sure i am eating making sure that i have um enough water um uh, usually hydration on my bike which uh, that's a pre uh race checklist also um then making sure um i have nutrition on the bike already um Don't forget helmet because you can't leave transition without your helmet. Um, Making sure I am getting my wetsuit off. And also um, making sure my bike computer is on my bike and turned on so that I can keep track of all of my um, stats um, while I'm on the bike.
0: Is that a common thing to
1: have a computer on your bike? Yes. Oh, so everybody has that. Most people do that or their watch. And that tra- tracks your pace, tracks your tracks your speed, heart rate. You can have heart rate monitors connect to it. Um, power um monitors that are on your bike connected to it, so you can see uh, your how much uh effort you're putting out. Um, uh,
0: you can't listen to music though, right?
1: No. Okay. So I train with music, which I have to kind of wean myself off of as I'm going into a race, mm-hmm. is because. You can't listen to music, unfortunately. I wish you could. But, but
0: I, I would – you must have enough adrenaline and enough, like, stuff to keep you occupied during oh, the Oh, you have plenty of adre- yeah, adrenaline. Yeah, because it's race day, so it's like – I kind of think about, like, in training, you're by yourself, but if you're in a competition or doing something, you don't need to listen to music because you're more focused. You're more attuned to, like, the race, the competitors, like, the, the weather, like, everything that's, like – your, your, sen- your like, senses are heightened during the race day. We're like, listening to music is probably not a priority
1: at that point. No. Uh, you're definitely in race mode, and uh, you're there to compete. So you're in the zone, and you're just hanging on. So what's your checklist from
0: biking into run?
1: So coming off the bike, I first thing I do is... Um, so getting off the bike can be... You can do it several different ways. Uh, you can—they have a line where you have to dismount your bike by, and you can either stop your bike and get off your bike, or you can do a flying dismount, which I take. Which up. I'm
0: thinking is like that's like the, that's like a flex if you can do that on someone. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's what everybody. But does. But it's because- also
1: very dangerous. Okay. It can be also uh, a lady in my last race in July. A lady totally wiped out trying to do a flying dismount. Which, in- that's when you like, take a foot off and kind of ride one pedal and hop off. Yes. OK. So you're, the first thing is you're focusing on is dismounting the bike, and basically you take off in a run into transition. And uh, usually I grab a couple more chews or gels, some sort of nutrition, take my last uh, drink of water or Gatorade, whatever I'm drinking during the race. Uh, make sure I have my hat and sunglasses. That is something that I've learned to make sure I have. And, um, then you take off on the run. So when you
0: dismount off the bike, who do you hand the bike to?
1: You hold onto your bike. You bring it back into transition Okay, where they have, um, bikes like stands, um, that are like all the way through transition. But there's like one for Matt Snell. Yes. You have your, your number there.
0: And when you're on the run, do you have any food or drinks with you? or is it more of like there's water stations just grab water? There's or Gatorade or whatever?
1: There's uh, stations th- totally throughout the um, race, and usually you stop uh, I use depending on how many there are. It always depends on the race. but I stop I get something at every aid station, whether it be um, Gatorade water, ice, um. Otherwise, usually like gels are for what? Just cool you down, like yeah, in your neck or something. Throw it, um, I'll or, throw, or a, throw it in your pinny thing. Yeah, throw it on on your chest, on your back, in your hat. Just mm-hmm. you want to keep your uh, core temperature as cool as possible. Um, and also grabbing water and Gatorade, I do both. Um, to kind of keep you going. I use I also use water to like. Throw on my face to get like the sweat out of my eyes and everything. Do you? Um, you're not like running with bottles. Like you'll take no. it, and chug it while you're running. And they have it? like little plastic, um, but uh, little plastic cups that they hand out at aid stations, and they also have food. But usually you don't. You I try to keep my own nutrition just because that's what I'm used to, and you yeah. don't really want to mess anything up on race day. So do
0: you have that like in a pocket or on a belt or something? Yes,
1: uh, they have in our tri suits. They are pockets that you can put stuff in.
0: Oh, gotcha! Like built in. Yes. Cool. Okay, and then, um, and I'm assuming when you're running, this is more of like a flying like reach grab as you're running, or do you stop and like oh let me grab that one and let me grab. That no, one. it's
1: uh um they have people at these aid stations who have their hands out. And basically you're grabbing it out of your, ha- out of their hands and keep on going. Yeah, uh, you can't, of course you can stop, but why would you stop? Um, so you just, uh, just keep on going and then you have to discard it, uh, your trash within a certain amount, uh, from the aid station. They usually have trash cans that oh. at least they have people you you're aiming for it. Otherwise, if you throw it after that, you could get a penalty. Uh, so you'd have to keep it until after, you know, till the next aid station. What What's the penalty consist of? Uh, fi- sometimes they're 15 seconds. Sometimes they're a minute. Sometimes they're five minutes, depending on the severity of the penalty. Wow. So they're just like, say, stop for five minutes. They have penalty tents that you, uh, not at each wow. aid station, but like at the end of each course that you, they give you a, I think they give you a card that you have to go to the penalty tent and serve your time. Have you ever had a penalty?
0: No, I haven't. Is it hard to get one? It depends. You, it all depends. Like all what suite. would be a penalty in try? I know. I didn't know Draft, a, yeah. Drafting would be a big one. That's in. That's biking. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um. In half Ironmans, that drafting would be a big one. What What's the What's the rule on drafting? You have to be, I believe, twelve bike lengths, or I think it's bike lengths from the person in front of you, and you have. I want to say. 15 or 30 seconds, if you're going to pass them, to pass them. And then that person that you pass then has to, is supposed to drop back on um, that oh, length God. from you.
0: Now, what happens if you're like two bike
1: lengths behind somebody, but you're staggered? Is that cool? Because it's not technically. See, I've never experienced that. Okay. It's something I've kind of wondered because you are. Out of the draft, but I, I'm really not sure. I think you have to, like, again, you have to pass them. You have to pass is them. Is
0: drafting that big of an advantage? It can be. What about swimming? You can draft in swimming, right?
1: Yeah. You probably well, could
0: draft in all of them as long as you're following somebody.
1: Yes. And in swimming, I guess drafting is Leo because you're, like, swimming on top of each other to be – so you're just going. Just
0: because, like, congestion at the yes, start? You, um,
1: we hit each other all the time.
0: So – Okay. I have a ton of questions. So I'm trying to make sure. So in regards to team, how like race day, how many people do you have like in your corner? Like does, does your mom, dad, a couple friends or a coach or something like that go? Or do you just kind of show up like you and your dad and like,
1: so, um, a cool thing. So the race that both dad and I in, uh, qualified for the Ironman 70.3 worlds in St. George, Utah in a couple of weeks, We qualified for this race in July, and it was a race where um, my dad, my uncle, and myself all competed in this race. And so uh, my uncle's wife was, my aunt was there, my mom was there, um, and that's what I had for my um, team at that, my support team at that point. Uh, I have, uh, since that race, I have joined a triathlon team. Is it the one you're wearing? C26. Yes. They're based. What,
0: what, yeah. We talked about that after. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, they're based out of, um, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And, um, I started, uh, coaching and it, um, I co- I ha- now have a coach to get me through worlds and, um, my race after that in Wilmington, North Carolina in October, uh, basically, they take care of all of what training I'm going to do for each day throughout the week to get you to the race, through the race, and finish strong, basically. And so C26, um, we, there's hundreds of athletes, and I think, there, I think there's 28 of us going out to Worlds this year. So I will get that com- different camaraderie with having different athletes from the same team.
0: Are you able to talk
1: to these people most a lot? Uh, yes and no. We have, or maybe just kind of know fa- of them. Yeah, we ha- we're on Facebook. We have our Facebook groups and able to communicate in there.
0: Um, So day of like race when you say like a team. So say it's like you said, your mom's there um, or aunt. I mean, they're the ones probably helping you prep with food, probably helping you with, you know, just making sure that everything's kind of like organized. Or are you pretty we good? Were at-
1: pretty organized the night. Have everything pretty organized the night before. There, you're just there for cheering, support, taking yeah. pictures in our worst moments.
0: <laughs> As I said, the glamour, the glamour shots. <laughs> yes,
1: definitely the glamour um, shots.
0: So now, when you when it comes time to a, for a team, have you ever had a coach for? Have you just kind of always done it by yourself? Did you um? Do you have a mentor? Do you have uh, training partners? I, I
1: I've have friends that I've trained with for the past couple of years, but Uh, mostly I've tried following training plans, but I take the Matt Snell version of triathlon training. It's like, okay, we're going to go do something today. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to go do something. And that's gotten me this far, luckily, but I'm now competing on a different level. I'll be competing on a world, I guess a world stage and I
0: wanted a coach. (laughs) So no, that's fine. So, um, so you were much, cause if you were to ask me, knowing accounting like you said numbers things like that i would think that you would be a way more scientific approach than an artistic approach it sounds like you're more of an artistic approach in the sense of you're just like well, what do i feel like today how far do i run want to run bike swim today and you kind of just go by what you what you're feeling how, how you're feeling versus saying like okay i know like i gotta run this much today this is my heart rate this is my speed this is my like and maybe you do do that, but like coming up, with I, the actual- I have
1: a kind, I have an idea of what I want to get done that week and that specific day, but it all, ch- it all changes going into it, like how I'm feeling and different stuff like that. And again, taking that approach, I biked a lot and didn't run as much cause I didn't want to run. So that uh, gives you kind of, it built up a weakness in my run, which I am trying to get back. And having a coach that says, "Okay, we're doing this today. This is what you need to do. Go out and do it, and let me know how it goes." Do you hate running? I don't hate running, um, but there's a bias in the sense of like, eh, I'd rather
0: do the other one. So then that kind of creeps more into exactly. Uh, now, now say hypothetically, like today's supposed to be a swim day, and you're like. Just don't really feel like swimming whatever it is maybe you're not sore but maybe mentally you're just like i just don't feel like swimming will you just punt it and just say hey i'm calling an audible i'm picking up the bike i'm going biking or i'm going running have you done that we're like, based I have, on just like what i haven't I really
1: um what we've done is so this week this week's training week is a big week for me and um I did a swim workout the beginning of this week and I just kind of felt sluggish and wasn't feeling that great. I got through most of it but didn't get through all of it. So, I make a note in my workout for my coach to see and we adjust we've adjusted things going into the rest of the week. So, it's basically we need huge communication between myself and my coach and um being able to adjust. We're always adjusting things on how I'm feeling versus what needs to get done. And we just take it by ear. Um, now, uh, do you like having a coach? I love having a coach. So that, that
0: level of structure you like, cause it does come, it's a good thing. It comes with a level of accountability also. Exactly. So, I mean, do you, you like
1: the structure or I you do you like the like accountability the sh- more? I like both. Um, having a coach keeps me accountable to doing the, the workout that I mm-hmm. have planned and need to do. Um, and I like that he's also listening to how my body's feeling and we adjust on what needs to be done going
0: the, forward. Does, I mean, as a coach, he's listening to you a lot. So I'm assuming there's a mental benefit too if it allows you to talk to somebody about... because, Like I would think in a, in a solo sport like that, you're in your head a lot because it, there's time to think. Exactly. Where you could sit there and say, listen, honestly, I just don't like... I, something's hurting something's nagging maybe I'm like low energy maybe I've had a bad day at work or with a friend or, or something that's affecting you mentally and you have somebody to vent to and say you know what I'm just not firing all cylinders today I got this issue going I got this going on I'm stressed because of this or that and you know I think just having that like mental like you can almost like mind dump on somebody to kind of get it out of your head and now you know what I mean exactly
1: and they also have These um, Our coaches also have experience in training and dealing with different stress. And so they can give us feedback and adjust. We're always adjusting. Um, So again, this week I had a um, bad swim Monday morning. I had a run Monday afternoon. I commented uh, to my coach saying, "Hey, I just had a crappy swim." He's like, "Don't worry about it, man. I'll take care of it." And he adjusted my week out. I went and did the run and felt great. And so then we're again back to adjusting. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna amp ramp things up a little bit for the rest of the week. You seemed it might have been just a fluke first time. I hadn't. I've been on the road for the past. 16 days. So I hadn't a lot, hadn't had a lot of time in the water. So there's a lot of different variables going into changes in workouts.
0: Um, I mean, the other thing too, is you're, you're like a, you're a newer athlete. You know, you've only been doing this for a couple of years where every year you do it, your body, you're going to understand your body more and more. And you're going to fine tune stuff. You'd be like, Oh, five years from now, you're probably gonna be like, Man, remember when I used to do this for nutrition or I used to do this for stretching or sleep or recovery? And now all of a sudden, like, I found such a something that works way better than what I used to do. Because you're always getting better. You're never going to get worse. Like, anytime you're trying to improve yourself, it's not like you're going to come up with something that's a worse way, to, a worse style to run. And you're going to say, I'd rather do that and get you know, not be as good. Like, you're always trying to improve. So, hopefully, over time, you're kind of like polishing the, those edges. Exactly. And your coach understands that. And then your coach, therefore, could be like, hey, Matt, remember we did that? Like, this amount of running in a, in a row gives you, I don't know, shin splints or something. I don't know. Just like something that could happen that you guys know affects you differently or a certain type of food or something kind of like doesn't sit right during the race day. Or, hey, I bonked midway through the run, so we got to up my – the gels or the chews or whatever I have. To, like, maybe got to put – instead of having, I don't know, five, you need to have eight. You know, something as simple exactly.
1: as that. And that, that's uh, – will, that will happen. And it has happened to me, is I've bonked because I haven't eaten enough. Um, how
0: how dialed in are you on nutrition?
1: I am terrible at nutrition. Okay, that is probably my weakest link when it comes to racing is my nutrition because game I, day
0: nutrition or just daily training, Matt Snow and like 360 days of the year.
1: Game day nutrition, um, eat, uh, eating gels and stuff while I I don't. Eat a lot of um, gels and goo- um, different chews, which are basically just sugar and carbs, um, while I'm training. So, when it comes to race day, I have an idea, but it's not exactly dialed in. And so, anything can go wrong.
0: <laughs> so, but the, I'm assuming the coach is like, that's something that they're going to really try
1: to fine tune. That's actually something we haven't really worked on is nutrition. Um, That's more of a personal thing on how you fuel yourself. Um, Because I I would
0: think knowing, like with my knowledge of anything I've ever learned with like working out and like food is that in a sport like yours where you're just constantly moving over a long period of time and you're just, you need, like you said, the carbs, you need something, you need the energy source. Um, And I would think that more is better. Than less because typically people don't really say I overate on game day. They say I typically underate on game day because you know there's other factors like I don't feel like eating. I don't like I'm yeah. busy because I'm running or I'm biking. But I would think that you Is, disagree um, with that, or you think
1: that you you I don't disagree, but it also has to come into the fact where sometimes eating too much can cause stomach issues, can cause all sorts of different issues. Um. During the race, if you overeat or eat too much during a short period of time, your butt, bo- when we're having, t- we're competing with our heart rates high, your body can't digest what you're putting into it. So it's a very fine balance. of. Do you ever eat
0: solid foods or do you, I mean, can you do liquid foods where you just put like liquid, like um, carbs in something? And just so basically,
1: it? we have Gatorade um, endurance that is basically also giving you energy but also if you drink too much of that then it's sloshing around in your stomach so it's nutrition is a ever it's a process on what's gonna get me through the race have you ever felt like you've overrate on on race day yes
0: and and what, what what did that entail like what were you eating that day i just
1: eat too much goo or gels and it gives you, because it has so much sugar, your, um, such concentrated sugar. Yeah. You get upset stomach. So that causes your race. It can mess your up your quick. Yes.
0: Um, so now what about your normal non-race day? Like, cause you're prepping for a race in a few weeks, but in how long you've been prepping for this race since, since July, since July 11th. So, I mean, we're going to be pushing about two months to the time. So, yeah, there's 60 days. It's like, what's your nutrition look like in 60 days leading up to a race versus just game day?
1: So, um, my during my long rides and long runs, I try to um, take in chews and goos um, during working out. But outside of working out, also, it's basically, my for me, it's getting in as... The, the greatest amount of calories that i can because i'm burning so much i Mm -hmm. need to make sure that i'm always fueling my body enough to take on that next workout
0: do you know how much do you know how many calories you have per day roughly no i eat a lot you so i mean it's a lot okay so Uh, you never tracked you never i
1: i did when i was um during or journal or like i used to um but now it's basically i need to eat as much as i can to keep me fueled and keep me going. And I'm constantly eating, eating all day long from the minute I get up in the morning to basically the time I go to bed. And this is probably not the best way to do it, but I eat whatever I can. Mm-hmm. It's not exact always the most healthiest food. Um, it's calorie-dense, though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, especially because you're young, your metabolism is so high that most of the time— um, I remember like working with like young athletes and stuff at the gym— and they want to gain weight. And I'm like, okay, like eat everything. And then we tell the parents, be like, listen, have them have a milkshake every single night and load it with everything. Because like, again, not the best, like, I guess, nutritional calories, but at the end of the day, it's like, you might need a thousand calorie shake at the end of the night. And you're probably still going to be under eating because a lot of it, like someone I would say as active as you are and in the age that you are, like if you have 5,000 calories in a day, it's you probably don't even need to blink an eye. Like your body's just going to burn through that. Where a normal person's like, All right, I'm going to eat 2,000 calories a day. I mean, you could probably eat three, four, five thousand 5,000 calories a day and still be like lean and losing weight because your body's just ripping through everything.
1: Yes. Um, so I'm in the process of trying to build more muscle. Mm-hmm. So I'm eating everything in sight. And it's a slow process because of how much I burn through in a day that I'm constantly like eating. And like I can tell you last night, I've had 10 chocolate chip cookies and I'm not ashamed of it because I needed those extra calories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just,
0: it, no. and Now do you, um, you talk about, are you uh, weight training? Are you resistance training? Str-
1: um, right now it's, I'm focused on swim, bike, run, but off season it's strength training, resistance training, um that I do to kind of get I'm not a big person by yeah. any stretch of the imagination um but to get more muscle
0: mass how uh how does more muscle mass affect you in the sport that you
1: do uh so you want a strong core and I guess strong upper body for especially swimming and um it just helps keep you. It makes you strong. You wouldn't think that having bigger arms would make you a faster runner, but it can. Having a good core will make you a faster swimmer.
0: Um, I'm assuming obviously legs because of running and biking. Yes. Um, I mean, at what, how big do would you ha- or how muscular would you have to be for that sport? Because at a certain point, muscles um, will slow you down. A, yeah, from an aerobic standpoint, will slow you down. So, like. I mean, obviously the best, best way to look at it is who are professional triathletes and say that's kind of the physique that you need because they're at the peak level. Um, so, I mean, like how much weight or how much muscle do you think you have to gain? Like 20 pounds of muscle?
1: I would like personally to probably get about 10 to 15 more pounds of muscle.
0: How, how much you weigh now?
1: Right now I'm sitting around 150, 155.
0: So you'd want to race probably 165, maybe 170? That'd be probably too high.
1: Probably one between 160 and 165 is probably where I would want to race at. How tall are you? Five, seven, five, eight, maybe on a good day. Okay. You're like me then. Yeah. <laughs> five, seven, maybe five, eight in the program. But yeah. 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 Um, if I have like high shoes, if I had shoes yeah, with a nice little, round little up, heel on it. So you play basketball in the day. <laughs> I remember
0: playing PHS and and we, we uh, looked at their, somehow I got like their program and every single kid on the team, I called bullshit on every single one of them. Like, there's no way you're that tall. There's one kid on the team that was listed at 5'9 and I was taller than. And I was 5'7. Because they just like all came up with, like, I'm like 6'5, and there's no kid on your team 6'5, and someone was listed at 6'5. I'm like,
1: at best,
0: maybe like 6'1. That's maybe. hilarious. So they all just like had this, this really embellished like <laughs> numbers. Which, which I'm assuming mm-hmm. was like an intimidation factor. If they went and played like a team maybe at states and they said, oh my God, I got 6'4, 6'5, 6'3. I'm like, no. They're guard at 6'4. Or five foot six is listed at five nine. Like, the, yeah, they're definitely standing on some kind of platform. But, um, so the, so where now your company the the C C twenty six that's the C twenty six yeah. Now they're out of where again? You said Chattanooga. Yeah, so have you been to the headquarters there? Yes. Is that where you just came from. Yeah, basically. I've been um, stalking you a little me, bit because I've been seeing you traveled. So that's
1: so I for the last sixteen days I've been on a road trip seeing family and friends. Um the f- This trip was originally going to be a week long, um, and I was going down to meet my coach and to train down there for a couple of days and um, see some family and then turn around and come home. And then the a couple of days before I was to leave, I got the call from NASCAR saying, you got the job. So... Then the trip got extended. Now I am going to Charlotte to um, find a place to live. Uh, I am going to Chattanooga to um, meet my coaches, and then I ended up in Atlanta seeing family and friends. And um, I traveled my way back up to um, through Tennessee. I swung again back through Chattanooga, uh, saw friends, and uh, Chattanooga and Knoxville, and then I made my way back to Maryland, where my mom's parents are, to visit them before coming back to Plattsburgh.
0: Was this a solo trip? This was solo. Was this in the the uh, the the, uh, the Titan? Tundra? Or is was it? T- you have a Tundra or Titan? Tundra. I you had. Oh, okay, I thought you had. I thought you had a. Is
1: that new? You, no, did you, I thought you had a. You didn't have a uh, Nissan Titan, at some point? no. It's I have a 2011 Toyota Tundra, The gray
0: one. Yeah. Why did I think it was a Titan? Okay, Tundra. Okay, that was fine, but it was in that one. Yes. Okay. Um. So. Okay, so how far is Chattanooga from
1: Charlotte? Six hours. I oh, think so it's, it's... five, six hours. I'm. Well, you could take like, a <laughs> weekend d- trips there, and yeah. Uh, it the whole trips become a blur on how far I drive. So the total trip. I I checked, I counted it on how um the how mileage. many my mi- the mileage and that whole trip was three thousand five hundred and ninety seven point four miles. Wow, that's uh. What's the U.S. distance wise across? I have no Is it idea. Roughly about that, maybe I, a little less. I, don't know. I did it in sixteen days, and it's around two hundred and twenty four miles a day. And I was not traveling every day.
0: Um, jeez, wow, that's rough. So, how, what's the longest you traveled at one shot?
1: Uh. I think the longest I traveled in one shot was probably either from Maryland to Chattanooga or from Maryland to New York. They're about half, Maryland's about halfway.
0: Maryland's what, about like 10 hours
1: from here? Eight, 10 hours. Okay. It's... I've been to Bethesda before and it might have been nine hours. That was like... So from my grandparents in Western Maryland, um, it was 618 miles. And I think I did it in around nine, eight. How many
0: miles nine hours. of a gallon are you getting in the, the tundra?
1: Don't ask me. Not nearly enough. Not what you would like. Um, no, I get like 14 miles of the gallon.
0: Um, so you fill it up a lot?
1: I stopped on my, from Maryland to New York. I stopped three times. Um, did you sleep in a hotel? So or just you
0: always made sure you were with somebody?
1: I was either with family. I um stayed in a hotel I think two times. Yeah. Okay, that's not bad. No. That's pretty I, good. I stayed in a hotel in Charlotte and um when I was with friends in Knox when I stopped in Knoxville. Um so what's the gig with NASCAR? I will be a senior contract coordinator which is what what does that do i help facilitate contracts between vendors and lawyers so
0: okay. so now this is for nascar the corporate nascar yes so this would be like sponsors or vendors that are at races across yes. the country um now charlotte is the headquarters of nascar
1: no daytona is the headquarters oh, is. Okay. and NAS- charlotte is the secondary
0: so Charlotte, there's a there's a racetrack in Charlotte though. Yes. Um, is the Racing Hall of Fame in Charlotte too? It is. Okay, so I know a little bit about NASCAR. Yeah. Um, so, d- have
1: you followed NASCAR? Do you? Like- I did a little bit when I was younger, but not really so much in the last several years. So wh- why did you pick NASCAR? Just kind of like it sounded cool. I thought the job was cool and. I've wanted to move towards, um, the Carolinas, Tennessee area. And so I was like out of blue. I'm like, well, I'm going to, up- this seems like a cool job. I'm just going to apply to it. And I think it was 60 interviews later. I got the job.
0: So are you going to be going to races? Probably. I'm sure yeah. there's perks. Yeah. Have you ever been to a race? Yes. Which ones? Which um, one? New Hampshire, New Hampshire. What's the racetrack there?
1: Oh, that's, that's the, name do um, the name of it. I do not remember the name of it.
0: Because I always know that's the closest. Watkins Glen is also in New York, right? Watkins Glen, I think it's the road tro- road r- course or road race course, whatever. There's Watkins Glen, and then there's another one that is, or at least used to be, road courses. So they weren't in an oval shape. Mm-hmm. I guess they're all kind of different because there's like some of them have kind of almost like a triangle. Like, isn't it uh, Pocono's kind of a triangle one?
1: I have no idea.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. It, I like I, I, I used to kind of, my, my, uh, one of my good friends used to be a big, or still is a big NASCAR guy. And I'm not really a big NASCAR guy. He'd just watch it and we played like the video games. So I kind of knew the courses. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that's pretty cool. So, um, I mean, so in regarding that, you said, is it more of an accounting thing or is it more of like legal? An, so it's legal? Mm-hmm. Do you have a legal background? from norwich is it more of like i just have kind of, no legal background from norwich but obviously you have the hands-on experience with your dad exactly yeah and that was good enough for them they're like hey which honesty is better than a degree like if you're like real world I scenario f-
1: I feel in some ways I've learned more working for my dad than I did in four years. Yeah, sitting abso- in a classroom.
0: Absolutely, and that's that was the same when I got in real estate. Like I learned more about business in the first couple years of real estate than I ever did in four years of college because like it's all hypothetical, it's theory, it's like exactly, and it's all like do a case study based on this. I'm like, okay, great, but do a marketing plan based on this. And it's like, okay. but you know, it's not real. Like at the end of the day, you're just like coming up with like there's a little bit of truth to it. There's a little bit of realism to it, but a lot of it, you're fudging everything. Yeah. You're just kind of making it up and pretending. And like, I like when you actually get out and you actually have to deal with people. Like mm-hmm. dealing with people is the hardest part about any business, just people. It's not even like what you're doing. It's, it's who you're doing it with. Um. So now the photography business, is this something that you're going to try to carry on down there? Cause sports you can start like maybe trying to kind of get some of NASCAR. that'd be kind of cool
1: we'll see what happens. You never know. I, six months ago, I would never believe that I'd be moving to North Carolina and working for NASCAR, but here we are. (laughs) So anything is possible. Uh, right now it's kind of just, it's taking a pause, um, because I have so much going on between me trying to get everything, um, set up to move to heading to Utah, coming back, turning around and heading to North Carolina. And once I get settled and, um, get down there, we'll see what happens.
0: Did you take photography or photography? Did you take photos on your trip? I did. Like, is that just like a hobby thing that you just like every day? Do you take photos of something?
1: Not every day, but close to,
0: I always have my camera with me. So is it something that you might just like on the ride home, just
1: pop in a car and be like, you know, I'm just going to drive here and just take some photos. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, I traveled to Lake Placid to train a lot, and I always make sure I have my camera in there, especially when I was um, traveling there before work, so I'm out the door at 5 o'clock in the morning, and you get great sunrise pictures around um, Wilmington and Whiteface. Um, so, you, you ski, right? Or did ski? Yes, I do ski. Um, ski raced, ski coached. How, uh, Titus or Whiteface? Titus, and I've skied at Whiteface for years.
0: Um, what year, uh, how old were you? How young, how old were you when you got into race Or not racing, but into skiing.
1: I think my parents put me on skis when I was two. Okay. And I started skiing at Beartown um, when I was, I, I don't know, uh, when I was still young. Um, I was on their race team. And then Titus did a like day where they invite Beartown to uh, come up and race. And I guess I really liked it. I don't really remember it. Um, And the next year we were on, we went to Titus. And I think this past year was our 17th year at Titus um, between. my dad um, has, uh, be- well, our whole family has become a big part of that race program and um, has had different positions throughout the years. And we, I've uh, grew up in that race program. Uh, I've coached in that race program. I've done different like operational stuff on the side of the race program. So I've grown up at that mountain and then um, I've, Skied at Whiteface for years. Um, is Titus your favorite mountain? Yes and no. Uh, yes, because of the people. Yeah. Um, I outgrew Titus years ago. Yeah. But we keep coming back because of the people. Yeah. Now,
0: wh- when you do the racing at Titus, what slopes do you go down?
1: Uh, we're off of, we have our own race building and basically chair race chair to ourselves over on chair one, which is over by the gravel pit. Is
0: that it's, the one that go, when you go up the, when you go up the facelift, you always, take a right, you take a right. So you're racing down like with the deem black diamonds. Those, those
1: ones right there. Yes.
0: Okay. But that's where the normal race would all occur right there.
1: Yes. And we have a race building down at the bottom of the, um, the mountain okay. and, um, we have access through the gravel pit, so parents can come over and watch their kids at the bottom. Um, we'll have cookouts throughout the year. There's a war; we keep awards over there, and we have we always have like a fire and um, fire uh, bonfire over there, so the parents can stay warm and the kids can. Do you have any race records there? Do they they keep records? We have records, but I don't have any records.
0: Um. So. Have you ever raced at Whiteface? No. Um, now, how? Because I'm new to skiing, I can I get down a mountain. I'm not great. Like there's certain runs at like Whiteface, I'm like I don't feel comfortable going on. <laughs> but um, when you go down, like if you're hypothetically Whiteface, like how like you could just bomb down anything, you'd be fine. Yes. Like how fast? How fast have you gone on skis?
1: So again, love triathlon watches because they keep uh speed of everything and you can get like different apps on them so I have a ski app on it on my watch and the fastest I think I've hit was um I was on a pair of slalom skis which are shorter skis they're meant for slalom racing which is really tight turning racing and so they're not like super fast but I think I went from the top of Victoria down to the summit lift and I think I hit 60
0: that's that seems to be where everybody bombs down for the timing. Is it the best spot to go f- for speed? Like I I, I would
1: think it like, has a nice run out. So you get down yeah. to the bottom of Victoria and it can it runs out flat. So yeah, you on have the right time. side. Yes, yeah. if you take the right side it runs out flat.
0: Cuz everybody I know when it's when I ask them how fast they've gone they all say at the top of Victoria down. Like I love going down Victoria. I just don't bomb it. I cut all the way down Victoria.
1: <laughs> I, I love Victoria and another one to Get some speed on is mountain run. Yeah, but mountain run, you you get down to the bottom of it, and you have to slam on the brakes, yeah. and that's a dangerous spot to do that. Was well,
0: so congested at exactly. The bottom uh, mountain runs fun. I like going down mountain run. Again, Love mountain run. Yeah, that's always a fun one. But the same thing, like you get down to the bottom, like okay, we gotta, like you gotta really start paying attention when you get down to, especially because you have what is it, uh, wilderness? Is it wilderness? What's the one that comes off on the left? Oh, I think it's well, wilderness. So will just kind of converge I, into one at the very end. Yeah, like you're not paying attention. I was going. Up the, I was going up that chair last year. That's the that's the double chair. It's just two seats. Two seats with yeah, it has two chairs. On like both. the one bar goes out. Yep. So like I remember going up, and all of a sudden I was to look over, and these three kids. They probably I mean, they're probably a little bit younger than you, but maybe college, high school, college. The three of them go off the very end, not mountain run. The one right over, I think it's wilderness. Comes down, and there's like a jump at the end. This big mound of snow, and three three kids all in a row hit this jump. They fly up in the air off the jump I don't know the distance up my guess 20 feet maybe and they all just like land and just roll out like they just like never left the ground and I'm sitting there in my head I'm like oh my god I would never do that I' I'd, I'd break I would break every bone in my body if I tried to do that I'm a, I'm a very much low to the ground <laughs> I carve I carve I, I say carve sounds cooler but I cut a lot because um my thing at my my point in life it's like I just want to go Go from top to bottom and not get and hurt. Make it down in one piece. Yeah, and just like enjoy, like the enjoy, like being outside and some friend, you know, my buddies I, and stuff. But don't, I don't really, I'm not breaking any records. I don't care. I'm like, I've been hauled off a
1: mountain and it's not fun.
0: On like, on like, obviously by the uh, patrol or whatever. Yes. Um. Well, I always look at people when they turn. Like your knees, like every, like just like throwing out a knee, or all of a sudden just because I think the knees would be the biggest issue on skiing. If you just clip it wrong, all of a sudden your knee bends. knees
1: can be a big thing. Arms is another. Broke my arm. Yeah. Uh, Broke my arm racing when I was 12 or 13. I broke both bones in my (laughs) right arm, and they went over each other, so they had to be... um, Must have felt good. Oh, yeah. It was a grand old time. Um, uh, The funny thing is, is there was an ortho... um, skiing down behind me was an orthopedic surgeon who just reset it right there. Uh, his son (laughs) was on the, on our team at the time and he looked at it and he's like, yeah, that's not good. Um, so, and then my desk, my best friend at the time's dad was also a surgeon at the Malone hospital. So he called ahead to the hospital and said, yeah, you have somebody coming, take care of him. And then the orthopedic came and, reset my um <laughs> arm and i was back at the mountain by four o'clock for awards really yeah cast and all cast and all back back at the mountain for four o'clock for awards Jesus, that's
0: it's like yeah it's like someone like football game gets their head like knocked off and all of a sudden like back in the second half it's like just, just go just go chill man take a shower and go home like um do you still actively ski oh yeah So like in the winters, you're, you're coaching or running the program or, uh,
1: so, uh, this past, what did I do this past year? I think I coached this year. No, I didn't coach. I just helped out this year. Um, so this, um, I have coached in past years this year. I, um, just helped on the operational side of things set up courses, timing, et cetera, stuff like that. Um, I have coached in past. My dad has coached. He's also, uh, headed up the program in, uh, past years. He's, I guess what we call our head coach at this point. I'm not really sure what his title is. Um, so yes, um, this year I actually skied a lot.
0: So selfishly question when you're skiing, everybody always says to keep your chest
1: forward. Is that true? I take an at, very effort. yes. I mean, you you're, want you're move, not rigid, but, but I'm you saying want to like, move your lower bot. Keep your upper body pointing downhill, pointing down the mountain, and your lower body's doing all the work.
0: And when you turn, you're putting your weight on your bottom foot. Yes, outside foot, whatever outside. You call it. Yeah. So if It'd you're cutting outside. left, it's on your right foot. If you're cutting right, right it's, on it's your, your left, left foot. foot. Yes. Okay. So I kind of do it right, and then the poles. Everybody's always like poles kind of like out here. Obviously don't look like rigid, like kind of look cooler yeah. doing it, but like they're athletic, but they're out here. Mm-hmm. And when you turn, do you push away with the pole? Like if you're turning right, do you use your left pole to
1: plant or do you so use your right arm to plant? You, if you're turning right, you pull plant with your right hand. And you spin around it? You, kind of, Yeah, really. Okay. Pretty much is basically what you're turning around it. So you pull plant, turn, pull plant, turn. It's almost like you're, like, grabbing, pulling yourself. Kind of, but it's supposed to be, like, just a, depending on what you're doing. Like You're, you're skiing, stabbing it down. Yeah, it. like, if you're skiing moguls, like, yeah, you really want to, like, plan it to get around get around and ski the moguls. But if you're just, like, skiing, it's, like, a very gentle, like, just tap, basically. And does it really help? It always seems like one of those things I'm like. It's a balance thing, I think. Is it? Okay. See, I didn't learn how to pull plant until I think I was, like, 30. 14, 14 when so i had my whole entire life i had grown up skiing at titus where you really don't need to you don't really need to pole plant and then my family took a trip out to trick took a trip to germany to ski out there very different from titus mountain a lot steeper and it pole planning is a way to kind of control your speed and i scared myself a couple of times with how fast i got going and then I'd like slam on the brakes to stop. So my dad taught me how to pull plan out there, and I've pull planted every ever since. Where's the mountains in Germany? Must be the southern part. Like so Alps. yeah, I believe so. I think we um st- We skied in uh, Garmisch, Germany. Um, the skiing the first time we went, the skiing um, World Cup was there at the um, time, mm-hmm. which was really cool. We were able to see the World Cup skiers. Uh, race there and i even had um my jacket signed um by ted ligety who i think took gold that year
0: oh really yeah um where's he from
1: uh i want to say out west somewhere okay i didn't didn't know if he was like uh was andrew wybrak andrew wybrak's from uh Whiteface. yeah lake placid lake placid um michaela schifrin is from vermont New Hampshire area. So, I went to Killington.
0: The so Killington hosted the World Cup mm-hmm. I thought, slalom. Was it slalom? Slalom. This is what probably 2008, 17, 18?
1: Yeah, I think they. F- it just start. I feel like it just started there. A I want to say ago. this. This was two thousand seventeen,
0: November of. I just remember because my son was okay. So the, November of seventeen, I went over to Killington. They had like the World Cup. I only went because the band was playing, it's one of my favorite bands. So I went for the concert. And, uh, but they were doing the racing. So they were finishing up. And I think um, Michaela Sch- Schifferin, she was the one that won it. Yes. And she usually does. <laughs> yeah. And so she, she was, and I'd seen her at the Olympics and like, um, but she was the kind of like the big name, but she'd won it. And then we had the concert and there was a bunch of like, like I'm assuming they were skiing. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they were just like there to watch it. But, a lot of them had like race jackets on and stuff. So I was assuming probably
1: racers are at least part of the different of the team. teams that are there.
0: Yeah. They, and of course they're all young at the time. Like they're younger than me. Cause most of these kids yeah. racing, at the, they're all in their early twenties probably, you know, so maybe mid to late, but, um, a lot of them were probably at college age or just out. Um, and I just remember like looking up the mountain and seeing all faster coming down. Like, oh, dear God. And it was like, it's insane because I mean, you see that you see the steepness. And it's just like how fat, like I know going down the mountain, I'm like cut, cut, cut. Like I go very slow. Like I know my, I know my threshold and you see these people that are just really good flying down and they're just going like these big swooping. And they look so graceful. Yeah, graceful. And I'm like, oh my God, like I don't, I had a, I had a Jackie on yesterday and she's a dance um, a choreographer and, and I talked about like how good dancers make the movement look so easy that you almost think it's not hard. And that's kind of what some like skiers, they just like the good skiers make it look so effortless. It kind of is a dance in a way. Yeah. And it's like, it can't be that hard. And then I get on the mountain. I'm like, Oh God, I don't know. Put the foot (laughs) there. Pull a plant here. Like, so I mean, it's fun. It passes the winter, but I always like the racing aspect of skiing right now does nothing for me, but I want to try to get our oldest into skiing, which is, I'm probably going to see if I can do like a. People have said, like, kind of get, like, skis and just kind of tug them around the uh, you know the yard, make sure he's kind of used to the boots and the skis, and then probably bring him up to Beartown. How old is he now? Three and a half. He'll be four in December.
1: Yeah, Beartown would be a perfect place to start. They have a—I f- pff- can't remember the coach's name, but he's been there, I think, since before I've been there, and he's a great— uh coach yeah and I, and they I have a they have a great program to start kids out
0: and I can't coach so I'm just like hey here go learn from somebody that knows what they're doing and I'm gonna be like be taking notes on the side be like okay hold there's like do this so um but it's fun I mean it's a I'm glad I picked it up like because like I said it passes the winter because like like right now like I play golf and I like ski so like it seems like every year I have one or the other It's very you know you may have a little bit of time in like November that nothing's really open you know because you're kind of between yeah. the golf season and the and, mm-hmm. You know, maybe a you little. You can bit. go
1: play golf. It's pretty cold, but November. Yeah, it depends
0: <clears throat> on if. I mean, I've played golf in November, but it's. I mean, it's not great. You know, it's, you just go out to say you played, but you know, typically with the snow, you don't really start going until December, unless you're like. We you get know, a huge
1: snowstorm in November.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. It's fun though because it typically lets me do something kind of like athletic outside every year. I mean, you're out. You're outside training almost every day, right? Or do you do a lot of indoor training? So, minus the pool.
1: Um, both i try to exclusively run outside because i can't stand a treadmill uh right. even though it is a necessity sometimes to do different interval workouts which i will do on the treadmill but i try to keep that very infrequent i have a bike trainer which i will train inside again doing interval uh different interval workouts that you can't really replicate outside um but otherwise i train totally outside like today when i went to whiteface i or i lake placid i uh swam in mirror lake and then did a run um on the uh mini tri course
0: um that's my next question you so you do train open water a lot
1: not or, a lot a lot when Most, you're able to yeah usually if we were to do an open water swim it's on a saturday um when you also have your long ride usually um long swim out uh, open water swims and the long ride will be paired up together, and you'll uh, do those. Is the course at Muir Lake? Is that is that typically
0: always laid out throughout the year? Usual, usually, usually, okay.
1: because um, it's I call it the Cadillac of Ironman courses because it has a cable that runs about five feet in the water, so five feet, about five feet down, and you can see it. So it's basically like swimming in a pool. You don't have to like sight to see where you're going. Oh, you just
0: around the whole thing has that cable. So,
1: because um, it... I have
0: been to the the Ironman up there, and I've been to the start. So I've seen how they've done like kind of like the the staggered start, mm-hmm. and then I believe they do two loops around Mirror Lake.
1: It kind of yeah. Um, they've changed it this year, so it goes out like along the side of Mirror Lake on the left if you're looking at the like main street side yes yep along that side then it cuts um diagonally across towards the far end of the lake and then you turn and do a straight shot back towards the beach where you can put uh the beach where you put in like boats and stuff right off by um the uh lake placid pub and brewery i believe it is and come back there
0: and that's the whole
1: race uh for a half yes for a full you do it twice so do they get out run back around and jump back in yes okay so there is a, an, a... so you come over a, a time because you're wearing a timing chip yep around your ankles so you can um run over the timing pad so you can see it on so they can keep track of you and so the people that are watching you can see it on the iron man tracker app
0: Okay, so when you get off the beach, they run up, run around the loop, kind of around where like the little there's like a little like kind of around building the beach. there, and you kind of come yeah come around and dive right back in. Yes. Um, how was it at the start when everybody's just clawing at each other?
1: It's very civil. You're not really climbing clawing at each other because your time doesn't start until you get in the water. So people, uh, as you cross that first timing pad um and they have it staggered pretty well so you can get out away from people so you're not hitting each other but it's you it's inevitable it happens mm-hmm. even with the best staggered out race you're gonna hit, hit out usually hit somebody so you're gonna get kicked
0: in the face or something or yes that.
1: i've gotten kicked in the face you get kicked you get slapped it it happens to everybody um so okay
0: so the training there and you said the training on the bike um now how come you've what different lengths have you done? Because your your primary is the the half, right? yes. And that is that. What's that called? The half triathlon. It
1: uh, seventy point three. That's what the term you call it. 70.3. Half Ironman, half Ironman. So somebody Ironman said, like 70.3. what what race
0: you doing? You call it the half Ironman or you call it seventy point three? Either. It, they're. I guess they're interchangeable. Okay. And then and then obviously the the main Ironman and then the half and then there's sprints. There's
1: sprints and Olympics.
0: So what's give give us kind of the the breakdown of each of those. So.
1: Ones a uh, sprint the swim kind of varies around five 600 yards then like a 12 to 14 mile bike and then a 5k run and then an olympic is about a 12 to 1500 yard swim and then a 28 24 to 28 uh, mile bike and then with a 10k run so 6.2 miles
0: okay and have you done all those? Uh, have you done all those distances? Yes. So, like, what you might do with the sprint or the Olympic one just for training. That Tra-
1: yeah, it helps with your transitions, helps with keeping you um, fresh. And when I was doing the minis uh, in Lake Placid, which is a sprint, um, they'd happen every Monday night, and that was the workout for the day. Is that's what you're gonna do? You're gonna do the three disciplines and. Your race is your workout. And was this kind of the same course as the Ironman up there? No, it's a totally different course. So it's, different area, different pond, um, lake. Different... The no, it's still still in Mirror Lake. You still you start right at the beach, and you go out to the right along the shoreline, and they have a big orange buoy. If you go up, I yeah, I don't about. that yeah. little orange. Yep. You go around the buoy, come back, then you um, hop on the bike, go out to um, eighty six go down to hang a right at River Road, Okay. come all the way back up River Road to the ski jumps, take a right on, I don't know what that other main road is when you come off a River Road. That will bring you back up to, like, Main Street. Yep. You get back on 86, and um. you know that when you're coming into Lake, Lake Placid up the... um right before you get into lake placid there's like a little in not in but like like motel the, like the notch coming up through there coming up the notch there's mm-hmm. like a motel there and there's like a side road that goes to northwood yeah, yeah. yep you go back on that road and right back, by the golf course yes yep back um by northwood and back to the beach then you cut left down by the beach and go down
0: that route goes yes by the hotel and pub and brewery yes yep
1: okay and then the run is. And then the run is you come back, past Northwood, and there's a road off of like the main loop that goes around Mirror Lake, mm-hmm. called Mount Whitney Road, and you go up Mount Whitney Road for a little while, turn around, and then come back.
0: So did did you look forward to those training days?
1: Yes, those were fun, and yeah. my goal was, which I haven't yet done yet. I was close, um, when I was doing them, is to break an hour. What's the normal time for you? Uh, anywhere between an hour to an hour five. And I was oh, so cl- close. I was really close. I was like seconds off of breaking the hour the last time I was. Doing is that it. like, what's the fastest people do? Can they break an hour? Oh, you, you can break an hour. If you're in good like, shape, when, you like can when break you, an hour.
0: When you go to these things, are the people breaking hours?
1: There's usually about one person who consistently breaks an hour. Yeah. And he's been doing them for years.
0: But he just, that's his thing. Is yes. A um, do you have any, like, would you do more than the half? Do you have any... I esper- have
1: no ambition to do a full. You probably will, though, I'm guessing. At some point, but not in the near future. Okay. I didn't I didn't know, because I... I uh, you always think, like, the
0: Ironman, I think it's just, like, the the term sticks it's, out. you are an Ironman. Yeah.
1: Is basically, and you can say you're an Ironman. Like, yes, we're doing, iron, I quote-unquote, Ironman races with 70.3, but you are not an Ironman, which is the 2.4-mile swim... The 112 mile bike and then the 26, uh, the marathon.
0: Um, when you go up and do the, because you've done the half in, uh, Lake Placid before. No. Oh, you haven't. I haven't. Okay. I, well, you, like didn't I haven't wanted or just like just scheduling purposes.
1: Um, kind of scheduling purposes. Cause when I was, um, it was, if we didn't have, if COVID wasn't a thing, I probably would have done it last year. Um, but until that point I was uh running cross country. Gotcha. Okay. And so I did my first seventy point three, which was at in Lake George in twenty in well, August, September, the first last week of August, first week of September twenty nineteen. And then the next week, like next weekend would be half iron man lake placid
0: is that too quick of a turnaround for you? it would have
1: been way too quick of a turnaround and um the main reason why and a lot of people don't do that race is because september and lake placid can be very cold and there's been um warnings because my dad's done it three times where it's 32 degrees out well it's very cold it, diving into the water it, well the water's so warm um so people don't like it because it's so cold you people they'll have they've had warm uh, years where they have warming tents down the ca- once you go down the cascades mm-hmm. into keen they have a warming hut there because of some morning it's been so cold that people need to like warm up they have heaters and like stuff the,
0: the, the racers the racers um i mean at a certain point you're, like, your body temperature gets warm like because you're moving it, but it's, when
1: it's so cold like that it, it takes it doesn't a lot and you're wet you're soaking
0: wet coming yeah. out of the water um, it just reminds me of like playoff soccer back in the day and like, like rain in November and it's just freezing out. Ex- like, it's very, yeah. it's, it's like, exactly. like, I just want to do anything but sail in the cold. Yes. Um So, so when, where you're going now um, to Utah, what qualified you for that? And then who are you racing against? So
1: to qualify that you need to be in the top, Usually five of your age groups, um, and then it race. Um, different racers have a different amount of qualifying slots that they can hand out. So some age groups get more slots than others. It's I'm not really totally a hundred percent sure on the process, um, but it's probably based on participation
0: numbers too. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you
1: have to let the amount of I think it's the finishing number versus how many slots they can hand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fortunate enough that they had slots by the time, um, cause it, they call it a roll down, how they hand out slots and, um, it goes by your rank and, um, your finishing place in your age group. And so I finished, um, fifth. I, yeah, I finished, I believe I finished fifth in my age group in that race. And so I got a slot to go to worlds. And how many, how many, what age
0: bracket are you in? I am 20 to 24. Um, then how how old are you now? I am 22. Which is a good thing because then you're kind of like the lower level of or lower age bracket. Yeah. I still have a couple more years left. Um, so, okay. So at that age bracket, how many other competitors are in that age bracket?
1: It depends on the race. There, I mean, do you know like the one in Utah, how many they're going to be? I don't know if they've come out with the participation. Uh, the, uh athlete list yet but they come out with a list saying who's in what age group and- do,
0: do you have a speculation on how many you think there will be
1: not as many i don't believe there are as many participants as usual i think be, and that has to do with covid mm-hmm. um because they originally had it scheduled out where the women would race on friday and the men would race on saturday and now they a couple weeks ago the iron man said we're just going to combine the race and do it all on saturday so I don't think there are as many as usual. It's worlds has become basically, in a way, the U.S. championship because nobody can go any with COVID protocols. Yeah. People being able to travel to the U.S. is hard. Um.
0: So the the one in Utah, if you were to win it, then you're then you would be the world champion of my age, age group, group yeah. for the sprint for the seventy point three or sorry 70.3 yeah so that's i mean that's obviously a very prestigious honor yes i'm assuming right because i mean that's pretty cool if you're the number one person in the world at something
1: yes that would be very cool
0: um so was this a goal of yours for this year or is this kind of like, was this like is this your super bowl basically
1: basically um and i never really thought i'd be going this year. i again 6 months ago if you said i was going to worlds i'd be like really i didn't think we'd be even racing this year mm-hmm. um but the goal was The plan for me was to go to worlds last year because it was going to be in New Zealand and I have family who live in Australia. Oh, so rotates. Yes. It it goes to different. It just happens to be in the U S this year. And St. George is probably the hardest course in North America. Lake Placid being the second hardest course in North America, I believe. Um, so they like try to go to a course that's going to be hard where they ho- hold the world championship. Because the world Ironman is always in Kona. That is always in Kona, but the seventy point three always rotates. Um, I want to say twenty nineteen, it was in. I think it was in Nice, France. Which I, which is kind
0: of cool though, because you get to travel for like. Eventually, you will get to like. Yes. Hopefully, next year you get to go like Italy or something. You know. No,
1: next year it's back in um, Saint George because New Zealand had it. Uh was slated to get it again next year but new zealand's basically closed its doors to everybody so iron man said we're going back to st george because it's probably the most accessible place for everybody for athletes to get to at least the next couple of years yeah until okay. covid sorts itself out
0: um did your dad qualify yes so the first first time for him too yes so that that's awesome. Yeah,
1: we're both going. We're both very yeah. excited.
0: That's cool. You, who's going out with you?
1: Mom um, or any other Mom's people? going out with us and my uncle's going to come out nice. and support us. Um that's going to be pretty cool though. Yes. For you and your
0: dad both to do it at the same time? Mhm. Um Brian must be what, the 35 to no, 39.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what what is, how many levels above Brian would there be? Your dad. Um like he's it's not every not- 4 or 5, it's every 4 or 5 years is that how they break out the age groups. So it goes he I want to say he's in the 55 to or 54 to 59 or 55 to 60 category. And so they st- stagger out themselves until it's 80 plus. Which is like the Bob Hines. The Bob Hines. Yeah.
0: who has gone to the Iron Man Worlds.
1: Yes, and I- has gone to 70.3 and um world championships he's also the oldest person to uh finish ironman lake placid and i was there for that that was an awesome experience to see him finish and he was also at this past july he was at 70.3 muscle man where both dad and i qualified and got we got to watch him race there too
0: how old is bob now i saw bob the other day we were at the golf course golf range and he went like, go hit golf balls yeah he was he's in his 80s
1: yeah I want to say he's 82 now. He was 80 when he finished Lake Placid in 2019. That is insane. And it was a it was awesome to see. We were there from like that is 4 a.m. till like This is t- the actual Iron Man. The full Iron Man. Um he finished he was the oldest man to finish it. And we were there from like 4 a.m. uh to like midnight that night. And when he came across the uh finish line, Mike Riley, who is like the uh, the known voice for yeah. you are an Iron Man. I know, I Man. You know about it. yeah, yeah. He's he and Bob are friends. So and it, uh, Lake Placid is one of his favorite races. So he came to announce Bob finishing the race. And when he went across the finish line, there were fireworks. There was like a. It was is awesome. he the oldest person
0: ever to finish Iron Man, or just like Placid?
1: Just I believe just like Placid. I feel I like there's just a, like Placid, but I, mean, I, like, I feel like there's a like. I, I feel like there's some other guy who has who was older than him who's finished a full Ironman but I'm lose. not 100% like, sure. When you look at Bob you do, like you think he's like 70 high, 68 si- like yeah. late 60s, like 60s 70s 70. yes. Yeah.
0: Guy, I mean he looks great and the fact that he's doing all
1: that at his age is insane. Exactly like when I so he runs by West Bay quite a bit. Yeah. And well, I see him all the time out training. Yeah. yeah. And in the heat of the summer when it's like 90 plus degrees he's out there going and I'm like I wouldn't be out training in that heat. Like, I can't, like, no. He's got his knee
0: brace, his yeah. elbow brace. Like, he's out there just crushing. Like, yeah.
1: And I'm like, that man is awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, well, I want to be him when well, I'm what's 80. It, what's his li- license plate? Like Iron Man 67 or something? Iron 67 or 64 or something. Was that the first year he started, maybe? I, ha- I don't know. You got to, like, update
1: it every year. He's got to just keep back- He does it every year, right? He- I don't know if he's going to do. He didn't this year didn't do the full. Like he's probably, I think he's done with fulls. Okay. But I mean, don't blame him. That's yeah. I don't either. Um,
0: uh, but he was doing them every year. I believe so. In halves, multiple times. Yes. How many races in the year do you guys do?
1: Three to five, depending
0: about a few months apart or are they all? Pretty yes. Like so
1: jam-packed? early spring, we do sprint and Olympics kind of just get to back into things. Then we'll do a 70.3, probably the end of May, early June, then one, Um, towards the end of summer and then as you can head south, they can keep them going longer because it's warmer. So do one in early fall. So what, what time roughly do you do the half in? Four and a half to five hours. My fastest, I want to say was around four and a half. So at four and a half, if you were to do a sprint, which is about an
0: hour, is that something like mentally going into it? You're just kind of like, eh, whatever. Or do you like. Because obviously you're going a little bit faster. You
1: always have race day nerves, but you are it's much easier to wrap your mind around. As in, you're going to go as hard as you can, as fast as you can for an hour, and then it's done. So yeah. pain is a lot easier to overcome than it is for a um, 70.3 where you're out there for four and a half, five hours. Many people more than that. And you're struggling through that pain.
0: Yeah. So that's what I was wondering. Like, does it just because of the long, even though I know you're going, the intensity is probably a little higher because it's got to jam into a faster time. There's probably still the mental, like the mental part of it where it's just like, it's just an hour. You know what I mean? I know it's tough. Exactly. It's It's just an hour. Yeah. It's it's okay.
1: Let's, let's go out as hard as we can. Yeah. So it's
0: a little easier to like take on when you're doing it. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty cool. So, um, and what, is there ways for people to follow you on this race?
1: Okay. Yes, they um they have the Ironman tracker app, and since there's a ton different races going on through Ironman throughout the world on one day, they have them listed out by each race, mm-hmm. and then they have a search bar, and then you can just search the athlete's name.
0: Um, and this is what date again?
1: September nineteenth. Okay, Sunday. Saturday, twentieth is a Sunday, I believe
0: maybe no it's not 18 our tournament this year is 18th it's Saturday so you're Sunday so then it's the 18th I don't want to throw you off check your
1: schedule I go out and- <laughs> said it was a Sunday and all
0: of a the race was Saturday like what the hell man like-
1: uh I go it doesn't I'll be out there anyway because I go out September 13th so oh there you go so you won't miss it no all right Matt wrap it up there I don't yeah. know how we're doing on time
0: but I think uh pr- probably pretty good right yeah we're, we're good. your quota there yeah we are okay perfect um so, Matt, if anybody wants to follow you, support you, do anything, how can they reach
1: out? Uh, they can always contact me on Instagram, which I think is mjsnell5, I believe. And photography? Uh, Mountaintop Photos, which is also on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook, um, just search mjsnell, you'll find me, and you can always... Find me through Galen.
0: Log in on uh, log in on the 18th or 19th or whatever the race is, and follow Matt on the Ironman app. Thank you. And wish him luck. Thanks. And, and Venmo him and some cash or his Patreon or whatever. We'll get something set up, <laughs> and all of a sudden you'll be like, "We'll trick you all out with all the equipment." So, um, Matt, I appreciate you coming on. I wish you a lot of luck. Obviously, I'm I, you know I don't know a, t- a ton about Ironman, but I I like following you. I like following your dad and seeing what you guys are kind of I see you guys trained too. like I, I drive by I see you guys like your dad's always running every morning you know yeah. like I'll go to work and your dad is I'm assuming coming back maybe he's just doing another loop I don't know but he's, probably coming back or going out yeah he, it is early in the morning and it's like you know there's a dedication level there's that you know get what gets you up every morning he said out the door at five o'clock it's like obviously something you have a passion for so You know, I think anybody that does, especially a physical endeavor where it's way easier to hit the snooze button and roll under the sheets. And I'd love to do that some days. Yeah, that you guys are getting up (laughs) and getting after it. So, uh, but I think it's cool, especially that you and your dad are doing it. So I will try to follow along. I know I'll see stuff all over Facebook. So um, I'm sure we'll know how you do. But um, Matt, thank you very much. Uh, Again, that is Matthew Snell, um, newest member of, I guess, the C26 team. Can I say that? Yes. That's good. And uh, again, please support him. Watch him. Follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Ironman app. And wish him luck again in September. Um, Good luck, Matt. Thank you. All right. That's episode 154 of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.